This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast takes a good look at the new Apple Watches and iPhones. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm okay. Are you like me with your wallet a little bit lighter than it was last week? <sighs> yes. <laughs> well, we're going to talk in a little bit about the new iPhone 14 Pro that both Josh and I purchased, and we're going to talk about the Apple Watch Series 8 that I purchased. But first, we've got some new malware called Chrome Loader. That doesn't sound like it affects the Mac. Well, yeah, you might be tempted to think that, okay, well, Chrome Loader, that obviously is just like, you know, some sort of browser extension or something like that. That's a problem. Well, so Chrome Loader is kind of a misnomer. And by the way, this is actually a new variant of some existing malware that we saw early in the year, first quarter of 2022. Microsoft is reporting that what usually leads to this malware getting on your machine, you either have malicious advertisements or malicious links in YouTube comments that leads to a malicious, either ISO or DMG. These are disc images. ISO is more common on windows. DMG of course is the standard on the Mac. And once that disc image is mounted, it'll either install an app or it will install a browser node webkit like this JavaScript file that then can do other malicious things on your device. So that's where the Chrome part of this comes in is that it can actually do things within your browser and, you know, do things like click fraud, for example, and other nasty stuff like that. It can also earn ad revenue for the malware maker and, and other things. But this is worth pointing out because, again, Microsoft did notice that there were seeing DMGs being distributed in the wild by this campaign. So it's something to be aware of. So make sure that you have antivirus software installed, that you're keeping it up to date. If you're using Intego software, it automatically updates whenever there's a new definitions file available. Okay, so even if you don't have a new iPhone, you probably have upgraded to iOS 16. And there is a bug in iOS 16, which I noticed immediately when I installed the final beta, the release candidate beta a week before. I was seeing this anytime I had copied something from one app, and then I switched to either Fantastical, my calendar app, or Deliveries, my package tracking app. And this sort of alert is saying, well, do you want this app to be able to copy what's in the pasteboard? And, well, I wasn't really copying anything to paste into either of those apps, but I said always allow because I didn't want it to never work in the future, right? I was worried about the alert. Turns out that this is a bug. There's a feature that prevents apps from getting access to stuff in the pasteboard unless you approve it, but it shouldn't happen every time. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So what's what's not supposed to happen is that you tap in a text field and you then tap paste to paste whatever is on your pasteboard. I have a really hard time saying pasteboard. I still want to say clipboard. Clipboard, yeah. Makes more sense. So obviously are intentionally trying to paste something in, in that scenario. This dialog box is actually not supposed to come up in that case. Where it is supposed to come up is, and I love this new feature, by the way, I feel like they should have added this years ago. What's supposed to happen is that whenever you switch to an app and 
as soon as you switch to an app, it immediately copies whatever is on your clipboard. That's something that you should get prompted. Do you want to allow this thing to access what's on your, your pasteboard? Because apps can do something malicious with that. I've, I think I've mentioned in the past that I have a package tracking app made by a German company. I like the interface of the app. I like kind of the way that it works. But a couple of years ago, I noticed, and this would remember, this is like back in probably iOS 13, 14 era. I noticed that it was actually accessing the contents of my clipboard even when I had not pasted something. So as soon as I switched to the app, it would prompt me, hey, it looks like you've got something on your pasteboard that looks like it might be uh, a tracking number. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's weird. What if I had like recently been using my password manager and had a password on my pasteboard? That could be kind of a problem. In fact, at the time, I even installed software to see what was happening. Was there any network communication? And it turned out that this app was actually sending the clipboard or pasteboard contents to a remote server to verify whether that information was potentially a tracking number. So that's kind of a problem, right? I mean, this that could mean that my passwords or someone else's passwords are getting sent off to some remote server in another country. Like, that's kind of scary. And so this new feature, finally, Apple has implemented this to let you know that something is trying to steal something from your pasteboard. Maybe it's legitimate, maybe not, but at least it gives you that warning before it actually happens. What I don't understand is why any app would be processing something on the pasteboard before you tell it to process it. And so I'm seeing this with Fantastic Al and Deliveries. It doesn't make sense. But th there is a bug with this. Apple's going to fix it. There's another bug in the iPhone 14 Pro Max, apparently, only the Pro Max, where if you take videos with apps like TikTok and Instagram and WhatsApp, not with the standard camera app, the camera starts vibrating and making grinding noises. Now, this is the optical image stabilization where the sensor is actually moving to compensate for your movement. We'll link to an article in The Guardian which embeds a couple of videos from Twitter. The noise it makes is really scary. An iPhone should not make a grinding noise like that. <laughs> that is very scary. That reminds me of, you know, rumors of power books catching on fire all those years ago and things like that. These kind of things don't happen very often. And thankfully, this sounds like something that Apple is planning to fix and able to fix with a software update. Well, I would be worried that this could cause hardware damage. Right. Because this is not normal behavior. And as the Guardian article points out, Apple has previously warned not to put cameras with this sort of optical image stabilization on motorcycles because the vibrations could damage it. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that sounds like a pretty serious problem. I, I imagine if you have had these strange <laughs> vibrations coming from your iPhone 14 Pro Max, you might want to verify that it's still working properly and find out, you know, can keep track of this story and see whether Apple maybe eventually offers any sort of replacement or anything like that if you end up finding out that your camera eventually is damaged. Yeah, for now, they will have a fix out soon. So if you do have an iPhone 14 Pro Max, you will be getting an update. In the meantime, just make sure that you're using the Apple camera app and then you shouldn't have this problem. Yeah, but what if you want to record a video for TikTok? I think you can actually record that in your regular camera app. You would just probably have to edit and upload. I think that TikTok does allow you to upload pre-edited videos. So, All right. Let's talk about the new stuff. The Apple Watch 8. 
Now you have an Apple Watch six, five, two. Which one? You have a very old Apple Watch. Oh, I have the Series Five. I finally have it memorized now. Okay. <laughs> After like three years of owning yeah. it. Yeah. So I've wrote a review on the Intego Max Security Blog, and I entitled it "Apple Watch Eight Review: Why Change What Works." My first thought for a title was "Apple Watch Eight Review: Stagnation," because. I looked back and I linked to the previous reviews of the Apple Watch on the Intego Mac security blog, the four, the five, the six, and the seven. And each time I'm saying it's just got a couple new features. It's just a little bit better. And it's gotten to the point where they're just not, there's nothing left to do. It's a mature product unless they change the design. We'll talk about that in a minute, the Apple Watch Ultra, which is a change in design. But unless they change the design on the basic Apple Watch, what can they do? They've added two new sensors. One to track temperature so women can tell when they're ovulating. And the second one is the crash detection sensor. I was not able to test the crash detection sensor, so I don't know how well it works. But they're not doing anything. There's not much they can do to the Apple Watch. I don't know how you think about it. If you've got a 5 and you're not going to upgrade, it's not even tempting for you, is it? Well, so this is one of those things, right? Like if, if you have the previous model, there are very few changes because these are really incremental changes from one model to the next. If the watch that you have is several years old, maybe there's some features that were introduced along the way that might be beneficial to you. We had a commenter just yesterday on the blog who asked, I've got a version four of the watch. I've kind of been thinking about getting the eight. Now I'm not quite so sure. So down in, in the comments of that article, I linked to apple.com slash watch slash compare. And that's the site where you can go and look at all of the specific details of each individual Apple Watch model. And you can find out exactly what those models have, what your model has, what the newest one has, and, and compare them more or less side by side. You do have to kind of scroll up and down on the page a little bit if you want to see all of the older models. So here's the skinny. The Apple Watch 4 increased the size from the initial size. The Apple Watch 5 was the first one with the always-on display. The Apple Watch 7 is what increased the size again. So if you're on a 4 and you want to upgrade, you're going to get a number of features in there. You're going to get the always-on display, the bigger display, and the larger display also has thinner bezels. Now, I bought last year's Apple Watch 7, and I reviewed it, and I returned it because it wasn't different enough from the Apple Watch 6. This year, I bought the 8, and I kept it. I figure two generations is okay, but there's still not that much of a difference. For me, I like what they introduced with the Series 6, of course, the year after I bought one, right? They introduced a blood oxygen sensor, which I know that in your case, your experience with this on, uh, what was it, on the 7, I think? It wasn't really very accurate for you. On, on all of them. Okay. Keep talking and I'll... I'll check it out. Kirk's experience with the blood oxygen sensor is that it just doesn't work very well for him. But this was a feature that for me was kind of a little tempting, but really not worth shelling out for a new watch. I feel like, you know, also, if you if you did get one of the new iPhone 14s, any of the 14 lineup, you get crash detection. So you don't actually need that on a Series 8 or Apple Watch Ultra. So it, it really depends on what your needs are. Most likely, you probably don't really need to upgrade. If you have a Series 3 or older, then it's probably a good time to upgrade because at this point we don't actually know whether the series three is going to get any security updates. There's still no watch OS security updates since watch OS nine came out. 
okay, I just want to tell you that my latest blood oxygen reading was 83%. So I guess I should be in the hospital right now. Am I turning blue? Do I look blue? <laughs> you look fine to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's very un unreliable. The couple of use cases that I would suggest are if you are a woman and you're planning to conceive and you do need something to help you figure this out, might be worth doing. If you have something as old as a five or a four, worth an upgrade. Or if you've damaged your watch, a friend of mine, a few weeks ago, he didn't know what he was doing. He was just working in his garage. And when he looked at his watch, it was broken. He didn't even feel it. He had to get a new watch. He couldn't live without it. And so he bought a Series 7. I said, if the Series 8 is coming out in three weeks, you can't wait. He said, no, I can't wait. So he bought a Series 7. And people do break the watches at time. He didn't have Apple Care, so he had to buy a new one. And if that happens, if your watch is damaged over time, then I'd recommend upgrading now. So the one thing worth considering is the Apple Watch Ultra, which not for everyone, but it's suggesting that Apple's going to create more Apple Watch models in the future. I could see one that's maybe extra thin, a round one or like a curved display or something, I can see them iterating on the actual case without iterating too much on the internals of the Apple Watch. Could be. Yeah, I, I think changing the display dimensions, like, for example, making a, a perfectly round watch, there are some more considerations there because now Apple's got to design all the user interfaces to be able to handle two different screen shapes. And then all third-party apps also have to design for two screen shapes. That may not be an, an ideal thing, but I, I do, I like the idea. I would be willing again to like get a slightly thicker watch. If I could get like 24 hour battery life, say the 18 hour, I feel like is not quite enough. I don't, want to shell out for like an Apple watch ultra and get this giant chunky thing on my wrist either. So uh, somewhere in between would be nice. And Mike, I think it, I think it would suit you, Josh, <laughs> the ultra. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I do want to point out one feature since the Apple watch seven is faster charging. Now you have to have the charging puck that comes with the watch. So not an older charging puck, but it's an awful lot faster. So if you're someone who does have problems with battery life, I charge this one from around 50% to 80 or 90 in 10 or 15 minutes. So it is really quick. So that would be a consideration if battery life's a problem. Okay, we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about our new iPhones. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Indigo's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Thank you. 
So I have a review of the iPhone 14 Pro on the Intego Max security blog, and I've entitled it An Amazing New Camera, Safety Features, and an Always-On Display. And someone tweeted to me yesterday, that sounds awfully positive, Kirk. Your reputation will take a hit. <laughs> the reason is this is someone who I know follows my photo podcast. Can I plug my podcast? Sure, why not? It's called Photoactive, and it's co-hosted with Jeff Carlson. And we talk about cameras, and we don't just talk about iPhone cameras. But on the photo podcast, I always say it's not a real camera. It's not the same. It's got this little 12 megapixel sensor. And yes, they've got you know all this AI, but it's not the same as a real camera. And how about, at, we'll get to the camera at the end of our discussion, but I think this camera's a game changer. And for me, the iPhone is now a real camera. Yeah, that, that's a really positive endorsement. <laughs> yes, for someone who has long felt that the iPhone camera was good, but not great. Now I think we have a great camera. I'm not like a big photographer, but I do like to take the occasional photo. And, you know, I, I've kind of dabbled in like very, very casual photography. I actually, I once upon a time took a photography class once. And so, so I've kind of been tempted ever since the, the pro models came out and have all these like <laughs> three cameras on the back. I've always been a little bit tempted by that and wanted to try these out. Now I haven't really had a chance to like take any good photos yet with it. But that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to most in the new iPhone 14 Pro. Okay, we'll talk more about the camera. But first, I want to talk about the always on display. I'm just glancing at my iPhone, which is on my desk, and I can see that it's Tuesday, September 20th. I can barely make that out. I can see it's 1645, that big numbers. And I can see the four widgets I have. Now, it's far enough away that one of the widgets with temperature and humidity, I can't read it. The problem with the always-on display, now, if you have an Apple Watch with an always-on display, you know it means it's always on, but it's not really on. It's kind of semi-off. It dims a lot, and you only see some information. I took a photo of my iPhone 14 Pro Max on my desk, and I put it in the article here, and I made sure that the brightness in the photo is pretty similar to what I'm actually seeing, not like Apple's photos on the website. It's pretty dim. Uh, you can just make out my lock screen wallpaper, which is a close-up of one of my cats, and you can see his eye. And you can just make out the widgets and the date and time, but it's it's even dimmer than the photo in real life. Okay. So mine, I, I feel like it's about accurate to what I'm seeing looking at my phone on my desk. I think mine might be maybe a little bit brighter, but that also might have something to do with just ambient lighting in the room and so forth. I do like this, although the thing that I find most distracting about it is that I'm not used to an always-on display on my phone, and so I keep thinking that the phone is on and going to hit the power button to shut it off, <laughs> and then, of course, that turns it on because it was off. Right. Now, one of the advantages is when you got a notification before with a normal display, it would go from black to on with that notification. Now, when it's dimmed, the notification comes up in kind of a dark mode and doesn't flash the whole screen. So you can be in a meeting or recording a podcast like right now and I'm looking at my phone. If I see a notification, it won't light everything up. You can read it, and if you tap the screen, it lights up, but it's a lot more subtle. It's not using a lot of battery life. Apple wouldn't do that. They, they wouldn't introduce a feature that would cause hits in batteries because class action suits, right? <laughs> well, 
of course, they're only offering this on the new models as well. So if you have an existing model, you're definitely not going to see a hit to your battery life because they're just not offering that feature for older phones. And it's only on the Pro models because it has something to do with the ProMotion, which is the adaptive refresh rate. I believe it slows down to one refresh per second, one hertz, in order to save battery life. So you won't get this on the iPhone 14. Worth pointing out that there are a lot of features that aren't on the iPhone 14 normal. You don't get the always-on display. You don't get the better camera. You don't get the dynamic island that we're going to talk about in a minute. And it looks like Apple is forking the standard and the pro iPhones and that we'll see more advanced features on the pro models in the future that won't get to the main models. In a way, that makes sense. Right. You're paying a couple hundred dollars less. You're getting a couple hundred features less. <laughs> Maybe not a couple hundred features, but yeah, certainly. Well, a couple hundred dollars worth of features. Those who are willing and able to, you know, spend a little more for the pro model are, are going to, you know, get some features that they're going to be using every day. So it kind of makes sense. So what do you think of the Dynamic Island? So far... There's not really a lot of third-party apps that are doing anything with this at all, because it was one of those things that was like, you know, Apple announced it, this new feature of the phone, and then the very next week you were able to get it. So third-party developers haven't really done anything with this yet, but it's interesting to see what Apple has been doing with it so far. Um, some of the things that I've seen show up in the Dynamic Island, of course, when you have your phone off and it's just sitting there on the desk with it's always on display, you get a little lock icon to the left side of the island uh, to let you know that your phone is currently locked. When you raise it, you actually see a little animation showing that lock unlocking when you activate Face ID. Uh, there are other things that I've seen. I've seen Apple Maps, of course, as well, integrated with it. That's kind of an interesting one. If you're playing something in podcasts or music, one of uh, Apple's apps, again, you're able to see, for example, album art for that podcast or that song that you're listening to. Also, if you are tethering, it used to be that you got this kind of weird green bubble up in, in the top that was kind of ambiguous, right? You didn't know exactly what it was until you tapped on it. It would take you into the settings app and show you that you had your personal hotspot on. So implying that somebody was probably connected to it. Okay. I have a couple of examples in my review on the Intego Mac security blog, and I show the now playing animation, playing something from Apple Music and a timer, which also shows up in the dynamic island. Now, some third-party apps will show up. Any app that plays audio will show up in the dynamic island. So I use Overcast for podcasts, and it does show up because that's just taking the standard now playing and putting it in the dynamic island. One thing to understand is the dynamic island is two things. One, it's an information display. And the second thing is it's a target for you to tap and hold to expand that display. So again, in my article, you can see the expanded now playing interface and the expanded timer interface. And going forward, it won't be long, but I think developers, they needed to have the phones to be able to try this out. I don't think that they were able to do this in Xcode. I haven't encountered any other apps to take advantage of this yet, but we will be seeing this soon. I did see a viral tweet, by the way. This might interest you, Kirk. Somebody has designed their apps so that a tiny little cat sits just at the top of the dynamic island. Yeah, the idea is it's kind of like a Tamagotchi. I think it's a Reddit, uh, an app for reading Reddit or something. I'll try and find it and put a link in the show notes. 
Talked about crash detection briefly with the Apple Watch, and there's also this emergency SOS via satellite. We've talked about this in recent episodes when we were discussing Apple's presentations. I wasn't able to test that feature as well. So we just have to assume that these work. But you did point out before that you get the crash detection in the phone, so you don't necessarily need to have the watch unless you've forgotten your phone and then you're in an accident. So, Right. I suppose that's true. I think what Apple has said is that the satellite feature is even not yet available even in the States. Right. Not until November. Yeah. They, they, they're saying in the fall, most places that I've seen on Apple's website. So November is the official date then. Huh? Right. So don't get into any, don't go hiking in <laughs> Death Valley until then. Yeah. Probably wait until somebody confirms that, yes, it's indeed available. I, by the way, I went to the Apple store last week and I asked an Apple store employee, hey, do you have any information yet on what exactly emergency SOS via satellite is what's going to happen with it after the two years? Because they announced during the presentation you'd get it for two years when you bought a phone. And they're like, yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah, I wouldn't expect them to. All right. Camera. This is, as I said, this is a game changer. There are three cameras. There is the main camera, which is what they used to call the wide camera. That's the 1X zoom. There's the ultra wide, which is the 0.5X. And there's the telephoto, which is the 3X there is also a 2x zoom, which takes advantage of the four times the size of the previous sensor, which is now 48 megapixels by cropping half of it. So you have four optical zooms. And of course, you have digital zoom. I think you can go up to 15x on the iPhone Pro. But 48 megapixels is a lot of megapixels. The last time Apple upgraded the size of the sensor was the iPhone 6s. Prior to that, it was only 8 megapixels. And then it went to 12, and it's been 12 for, well, eight models, isn't it, from the 6 to the 14? That's kind of shocking that it took that long for Apple to increase megapixels. And I know they've been doing a lot of other things in the meantime, but in the meantime, they've been getting really left in the dust by all the Android phones. Well, they've made up for it by their computational photography, which has done wonderful things. But it's gotten to the point where they just couldn't compete with phones that had bigger sensors. Now, as an example... 48 megapixels. I have two real cameras and I put real in quotes. One of them is 26 megapixels and the other is 47. So 48 is the high end of, you know, average cameras. There are cameras that go up to 100 megapixels or more, but most people they'll have a camera these days, 24, 26 is kind of the average. Getting 48 megapixels from a phone, a tiny little phone is really quite stunning. Now I've put a couple of photos in the article. I went to shoot some photos in a town called Broadway this weekend. There is a town called Broadway in the Cotswolds, not far from me. And I'm actually quite stunned by the quality of these pictures, that these rival photos that I would take with my real cameras, I've included links to larger versions of the photos. I put the view full-size photo in the article. They're actually not full-size, they're a little bit smaller. So if you want to see the detail in these photos, you can click. I, I think this is just stunning. I really do. I, I think we have an opportunity now to make really good photos with the iPhone. There is one caveat, and that's the size of the files. For some reason, 
there's a big variation in the size of these files. Now, in my other cameras, the 47 megapixel camera I have takes files that are about 85 to 90 megabytes each. The 26 megapixel camera, they're 56 to 60. Here, I had photos anywhere from 45 to 120. That's a huge variation. I don't know exactly why there's such a difference. But if you're regularly shooting photos that are 80 or 100 megabytes, your iPhone can fill up and your iCloud storage can fill up. Now, is this specifically when you're shooting in Pro Raw, which is a setting that you have to enable, right? Right. Yes, you have to enable this. You can shoot the 48 megapixels in Pro Raw, which is a kind of raw. I'll link in the show notes to an episode of my Photoactive podcast where we go into detail about Pro Raw and what it is. So by default, this is not turned on. By default, it's shooting 12 megapixels, and it's doing something called pixel binning, which takes the pixels in groups of four and then sticks them together to get 12 megapixels. You also only get 48 megapixel photos from the main camera, the 1X camera. If you're using the others, remember, these are separate cameras with separate sensors. So there's only one 48 megapixel sensor. So do I understand right that you don't actually get to take advantage of the 48 megapixels unless you turn on the Pro Raw feature? Right. And you're using the 1X camera, the main camera. Okay. Well, That's not something that's well advertised. You wouldn't want this by default because of the file size. Because think of the storage on the phone, the storage in iCloud, and the amount of data that you're going to be using if you're taking a lot of photos and uploading them to the cloud. One complaint that I've seen about this is even though you get these amazing cameras on the Pro, even though they've increased the megapixels and everything else, they still are not letting you shoot 8K video on your iPhone, which I honestly, there's not that many people who really need to be shooting in 8K, but you know, it's, it's not there yet. That's not to say that Apple won't eventually add that. I I think that's a possibility that they might give some options in the future to shoot 8k, but at least for now they don't. Yeah. The storage that it takes up is just incredible. I think you can do 4k at 120 frames per second now, but 8k would just be too much storage and you'd have people, their phones will be full and they'll stop working and their iCloud will be full and they'll lose data and they'll complain. So it's, I can imagine Perhaps at some point the iPhone 16 Pro Pro Max Max would be able to do 8K or or the new iPad Pro when that comes out, which if you remember when they released the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, they were showing it being used to make films. And because of the large display, it's actually quite practical. But come on, 4K is already enough and even... Right, right. Yeah, we don't need 8K, but you know, I've seen a couple people complaining about that. So just thought I'd mention that. Well, they can complain. All right. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.